the people that worked hard and the people that I saw that worked, you know, worked hard in the program are the people that found success. And it wasn't necessarily the exact work that led to it, but if you work hard, you will be rewarded. And that's not something that I think or that I believe. Like I know that. Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, the Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports and media, teams, disruption, entertainment, all different kinds of things. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host on a frigid Friday, Tom Richardson. Tom, welcome back. Hey, Joe, what's going on? How are, how's the, uh, how did the week go? I know you were traveling a bit. Anything to report? I, um, so I was in Boston for the Carnegie Initiative, which was a tremendous event. And we're going to have several guests coming up off of that, including one of the hosts of Burn It Down, um, who I met. Um, Anson Carter's another one, but it was all about diversity in hockey started Monday night um, with a great discussion about race and, and sport and, and popular culture with Dr. Ibram Kennedy, and then um, a full day on Tuesday. And it ended with a great event, well overdue. Willie O'Ree had his number retired right, uh, by, the, by the Celtics, by the Bruins. Um, also, another hockey note this week, kudos to the Professional Hockey Federation, the uh, um, the women used to be known as the NWHL, $25 million raised and announced. And uh, Tyler Tumenia, who's their commissioner and uh, married actually to a former Columbia faculty member, Ben Charrington, is going to join us in a couple of weeks to talk about. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Nice. Tied, to, yeah. tied to the Good Olympics. To I'd so, love to do that show. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, so um, we're not going to talk about any of that today. So <laughs> uh, we're going to do, as, as we like to do from time to time, have some of our alums on. Uh, and one who's had the great displeasure of taking both my class and Tom's class and has been uh, very loyal to our program to the point where he decided to leave New York and move to Salt Lake City to get a job, uh, is joining us because uh, we really haven't talked a lot about MLS over the five years, six years we've been doing this, but we're going to talk a little bit about club operations and what he's doing these days uh, in a club that was just um, purchased Um by two high net worth individuals, David Blitzer and Ryan Smith of Rail Salt Lake. So our guest is Dane Rogers, Columbia alum, Philly native. Welcome to the, the Cusp Show where you've listened many times but have never participated. Correct, um, Joe, and technically I'm a Brooklyn native. Um, I would just happen to have never stepped foot on the ground after I was born and spent all the way through high school in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe and I were born in the same hospital, I believe. Both yes. of us, a, tes a testament to our longevity, um, survived, not the doing either, by the way. survived the hospital. Um, just a couple tough Brooklyn guys, and we let Tom on the on the show to <laughs> soften it up. I don't think I would ever describe you, Dane, as a tough Brooklyn guy, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Dane, you, um, you know, we got to know you as a student and see how you progressed through the sports management program, some internships and stuff. And you were nice enough to help us with NYBC sports, which was great. Mm -hmm. But uh, talk a little bit about your journey, as they say. Um, how did you end up, how, tell everybody how you ended up in Utah with this job. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, and that's, I mean, if I were running this show too, I would, uh, I would give myself off that same question to start and give a little introduction to myself. You guys do a great job with this podcast. And um yeah, I, so I finished the program and um, I think I graduated in um, 2019. So it's been about 30 months. I'm not a math guy. I was a journalism major in college, but uh, I spent about 30 months. And, and perspective is a funny thing once you um, get out of the program. And if you asked me six months following graduation, you know, what I thought about the program and how I'm doing, it would be a totally different answer than it was in 12, in 12 months. And it's a totally different answer right now at, at the 30 months. And so just a little bit of background of myself. I, uh, I went to college at UNC uh, Chapel Hill. I was a journalism major there. I loved, um, I loved the journalism perspective. I wanted to write and cover sports, but I graduated in an interesting time that was kind of tough. It was kind of tough to get a job in media and there was a lot of shifts. We were still feeling the effects of the 08 recession 
And uh, there's not a lot of money going into newspaper writing, which was my sequence. So I, I, I never ended up pursuing sports in that aspect. I, I worked at Vanguard for five years in operations, and I was a bit of an account manager. Um, account manager in some aspects. And also I worked on the processes improvement of uh, some of our change of ownership functions there. And uh, after five years, it was like, you know what, I really want to be working in sports. I don't care about getting over to the better side of Vanguard and getting on the investment side and, and pursuing a career through that. I really want to, I really only care about sports. So that's when I moved to New York and started the Columbia program. Um, took Joe's class because I was a journalism major and, and PR and communications was of, of important interest to me. Um, Tom, I took your class and I, I tell everyone, uh, no offense, Joe, but Thomas is, is, is like the most interesting and impertinent. And I, I just think, I, I really do believe that it's it, what's going on in the world right now. Um, Sports wise is just digital is so important. Um, media and marketing and how, and how you progress yourself. Um, Joe, the guest speakers that came through your class and getting to know you and some of the connections that you have personally was an incredible part about taking your class. Um, awesome guests. You care a lot and were able to help me do a lot of cool journalism projects um, based on your connections and everything. But just the subject matter for Tom's class, I felt was so important. We read that book, Growth, ha Growth Hacker Marketing. And one of the key terms that they came out of that is like, what is your unique selling point of any product um, or service that's going to market? And just applying that to myself, what's my, given my background, what what am I interested in and what should I be pursuing um, that makes me really dynamic to a potential employer? Um, we learned like, you know, more than half of the money in sports is now going through uh, broadcast deals. So I interned at MPA Silva, which um, <laughs> kind of a, you know, a funny story. It's a global media rights agency with, with things. So while I was in school, I, I, I just, really loved your class, Tom. And, you know, I wanted to know more about media rights, um, what's going on in the world. And that company, you know, I, I interned there, but eventually around the time of graduation, the company went under. Um, some of the investment from, you know, a Chinese company bought like 50% of it and then stopped putting in money. So it was a media rights flipping agency. And they, they basically had bought a lot of like Italian Siri rights rights and they had to pay a lot of money for it. And then they would try to distribute it and get that money back. And they start stop being able to pay their bills. So that company went under. I didn't, I didn't like being that far away from sports anyway. So upon graduation, the first job I got was um, through Joe's TA at the time. Um, well, not Joe's TA, but a, a former close contact of Joe's Gina Antonello Antonello. Um, was working for the XFL. So my first job out of school was working for the XFL, New York. Hey, Dan, we want to stop you. Everybody should notice the pattern of Dane goes to work for a place and they go out of business. So it's just kind of, <laughs> anyway, keep going. There's another one too. When I interned in college, uh, <laughs> I worked for an investment company with 25 billion uh, asset in assets under management. And they went under like two years later too. Wow. Um, yeah. It was Turner investment partners outside of like Valley Forge. It just was just kind of like a hedge fund. Um, That's really, really funny. analytic. And they went out of business too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Vanguard is still doing well. Yeah. And uh, I think Columbia is doing well too. So, so you had tell, tell us about the USFL and that experience. XFL. XFL. Yeah, so the wow. XFL was great. I, I wait, wait, Joe, that, that would have been added to the list if you worked for USFL yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so so the XFL, um, I worked in on the communications team. So it was really cool going to work at a stadium. We, we went into MetLife Stadium for game days. And the college – That what was great about the XFL is – it's a really, it was a really cool experience where there's so many great college football players that just aren't quite good enough to mm -hmm. make it in the NFL. There's a lot of great people in, in sports, working in sports that, you know, have a lot of interesting backgrounds and there's just not, you know, not enough jobs at the NBA and the other things. So it was also really cool with all the workers that, you know, did a really great job and had an, an opportunity to work in sports and to get paid. And uh, kind of the, the thinking behind the, 
XFL is, is it's, it's a really made for TV sport. So the average football game on network television does, you know, north of 20 million in ratings. Um, I saw that some of the playoff games, like the chief, the Cowboys game did 40 million in ratings. So well, are you talking can, audience or rating? Like just oh, I just want to make sure to clear about the terminology. You're talking about audience size, not ratings. Yeah. Audience sorry, sorry. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Uh, 40 million. Um, well, you know, we know students are listening. They need to use the right language. Oh, oh sorry, you know. sorry. Yeah, 40 million, um, 40 million in audience. I don't know exactly what the rating and what potential market did very is. well. But the NFL is doing great. So yeah, the NFL gets you know 20 million people watching a game. When you look at a uh, an NBA game on you know ABC outside of Christmas and um, some of the huge days, those games on ABC will do around 2 million. And I'm pretty sure that this was, these were the numbers when I was in, looking at um, 2020 when I was working for the XFL, but they would do like 2 million in ratings. So when the XFL launched the first couple of weeks, we were the first week we did 3.3 million viewers after the novelty wore off until like halfway through the season, we were doing, you know, 1.7 million. So even though it's it's way smaller than the NFL, it's still like one of the biggest because football is so popular. It's still one of the biggest professional um, sports draws on television. So if you can you know sell advertising on that huge on that huge um, ratings number and, and market share, it's still it was it, it, it's a pretty good prospect. So. Everything was greenlit. We were talking with going back for the, the second season and then COVID hit. So COVID hit and rather than paying out all the employees like myself, Vince McMahon, the, the chairman decided to declare bankruptcy. I think some, a lot of players got paid out. Some of the high ranking people that gave up a lot to organize the XFL got paid out. Not everyone did. I know Oliver Luck uh, was making eight million and he ended up suing the XFL, but guys like me didn't. <laughs> didn't keep getting paid so we had to find um, another job and the 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 idea was to come back um the week following this super bowl i know they had trouble hiring some of the c-level people so that it it got a little bit of a late start so well it ain't happened in 22 correct no 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 they they took all of 22 off yeah this this will be um this will be the 20 so the xfl starts the week after the super bowl because people are all football crazy and then there's no football all of a sudden. Everyone's like, what do I do now? And it, we're, right. you know, right. NBA's there. But so the, so the season generally starts the week after. They weren't able to hire um, leadership team and get everything in place for this season following the football, for this season following the NFL season. But they do, they do plan on getting the hiring squared away for um, the week following next year's football season. And I think, it, you know, I think that it was promising. I think there's always going to be a crop of available players and fired coaches that can, um, that can still work and uh, well, people that want, people that want to work in sports. I think, you know, and we can close the door on the, uh, on the XFL, but the thing that stopped the XFL was the pandemic. I mean, they, they were well-financed and, and uh, um, Vince McMahon decided to pull the plug on the money. I mean, that's, that's basically what happened. If the pandemic would have been lessened or would it would it not have come along the xfl would probably would definitely still be playing this year at least so correct uh, correct correct and i don't know if i made that clear they were stopped by something well beyond their control as opposed to bad business which frankly has stopped every other league and will probably continue to stop other leagues that are not well financed with 500 million dollars like the xfl was so and i have no hard feelings too because that was my kind of my first um job working um in sport following the program and I took a little bit of a career reset and I understand that um, in my first I don't think that the league really owed anything to me not like I put in five years there and they it would be really bad PR for them not to continue paying me or to keep me around through you know an undefined amount of time or even a furlough so I don't have any hard feelings um but just yeah just to get get past that what happened from the xfl is i fell in love with working at a stadium and for a team and a lot of colleagues that i know that have you know really great jobs probably make more money than me probably do a couple cool things like go to the super bowl a couple times a year and go to a key sport events but i just got a taste for being in a working at a facility on game days and i was like i need to keep doing this and 
my, my determination was we don't know how long COVID is going to last, but live sports is not happening here. It's not happening anywhere in the world. It's probably not going to happen for a year plus. So am I just going to give up on that? And, you know, part of me thought it's just working in sports, not feasible right now, and maybe take another job in uh, just a field that pays me money. But there was a lot of uncertainty and it wasn't like great jobs were just, you know, knocking at my door. So the one thing that I was able to do is start working with um, Joe and Tom. And, you know, I was just talking to them, keeping, um, keeping close connection with my favorite two professors at Columbia. So, so, so we worked on the NYVC um, sports office hours with uh, our good friend, Jeff Volk. And what we were doing is during the pandemic, um, your guys awesome, I guess you could call it a networking group. Uh, that puts, you know, entrepreneurs, um, investors, and key decision makers at leagues um, together at these, you know, monthly or bi-monthly networking events in New York City, Boston, San Francisco, and is that it? Yep. Yeah. Um, those those major cities, and uh, you know, people would give out office spaces, and we'd have really cool and interesting um, panel discussions, and really, you know, decision makers and, and interesting people would be at the, all those events. We couldn't do that either during the pandemic. So what we did, um, and uh, this was, I guess a lot of Jeff's, you know, brainchild is we just had these weekly Zoom calls. And I did a lot of what um, Samuel and Connor and, and Yash are doing is editing the video, um, kind of cutting up clips and promoting what we were doing there to try to build up an audience and keep that same network alive and engaged. And a lot of mm-hmm. topics we covered were the same things that sports teams were doing during the pandemic is how are these teams staying relevant to their fans? We had cool guests like Darren Ravel. We had a couple of uh, athletic commissioners. We had Kenny Main. We had some, you know, really, I mean, we had a lot of the people that you just mentioned, Joe in, in Boston uh, with Bryant um, McBride, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we, you know, we got to, we got to meet a lot of these things. Um, I got to work pretty closely and take the meeting minutes with the board. So a lot of the, the, the cool um, friends that, and well-placed friends that Joe and Tom have on that board. And I, I wasn't making, you know, a ton of money. I wasn't making very much money, but I was building, um, I was building up a lot of equity in, uh, in favors and goodwill towards um, important people in sports. And for me at the time, that was feasible. And I thought that that was the good use of my time. And I do not regret any of that stuff. Um, And I just kind of waited out the pandemic. It was about December of last year where I just decided, you know what? I'm tired of paying rent in New York City. This place isn't fun. I don't think COVID's going away. I think there's gonna be other waves. I don't think it's gonna be fun immediately. And uh, four years in New York City is, probably two years too long for a country guy like me. <laughs> and uh, I was ready to get out of there. So what I did is I went back to Pennsylvania. I bought a Toyota Tacoma. I packed up all my stuff. I went back to New York and I packed up all my older brother's stuff. And uh, I drove out to Salt Lake City in about a week's time after buying that truck. And uh, I started my life in Salt Lake and uh, I snowboarded all last winter. I did some stuff with NYBC Sports in our office hours. And uh, I said, I'm not really gonna worry about it that much. I would apply to jobs as they, um, as they came up. And uh, a lot of them, I didn't put a ton of effort into. And I said, you know what, this is probably the only time I'm ever going to have in my life where I get to snowboard, you know, 40 days at some of the best mountains in the world. And I'm not going to stress too hard. And then I just, I talked with a lot of people. I have some friends. Um, the way I actually got this job was Peter Pilling, who's the current athletic director at Columbia. Mm-hmm. I blame him for the desire to work in sports. Um, from the beginning, when I grew up, he was at Villanova and his son, Kyler Pilling, was my best friend for a couple of years through church. And Ky- we would be hanging out on a Saturday and Kyler would be like, you know what? I got to go be ball boy for Villanova basketball or I got to be ball boy for Villanova football. And to me, that was cool. Like, wow, your dad does really cool stuff. Uh, your dad does cooler stuff than my dad. I think that shaped a lot of the reasons and, my, and decisions in my life. Cause you know, that's, we talk a lot about sports leagues and you want to have those like aha, super cool moments with young fans where they're at a baseball game with their dad and their dad's cheering really loud. And those kids are like, Oh, my dad values this. This is the coolest thing that you can want to be. And that just kind of puts an imprint onto your heart about what you want to do for your life. And for me, that was a lot of that was seeing Kyler in college athletics and what his dad was doing. 
Um, I think I wanted to go to a big brand college with a cool athletics program and also a good school. And that's why probably why I ended up at UNC. So when I moved up to New York and I talked to Peter Pilling about, you know, what should I do with um, if I want to work in sports and I wasn't happy at Vanguard, um, what should I do? And he was the one that sold me on the program and said, you know what? This Columbia program, it is a good program. There's a lot of sports management programs out there that are kind of selling you a bill of goods. Um, they're popping up everywhere. You can read Mark Cuban articles about, oh, do you, should you get a master's in sports management or you should you just take a job selling season, season ticket sales? And his like, Mark Cuban's big spiel is like, just go work in t season tickets uh, um, sales and you'll learn all that stuff way better than a college management degree. And I think there might be a little bit of truth to that, but the Columbia program, um, Peter kind of sold me on it and he said, you know, what? I'm well connected in sports and I will look after you. And uh, this is a good program. It has Columbia recognition. Uh, people do get jobs out of it. Your professors are very good. They work in New York City. They are connected. They currently work at leagues and um, and they look after you. If you work hard for them, they do look after you. And that was 100 percent the case to me. Um, and it has been the case ever since then. So, so, Dane, how did he get you to rail Salt Lake and then kind of cool, 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 cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so, so, so his son, Tyler, uh, works at Virginia Tech and he works, he went to BYU. So when I was talking to him post-graduation and when I moved out to Salt Lake, I talked to Kyler and Kyler said, hey, um, I, I went to BYU. I worked in BYU college athletics. A lot of my current or a lot of my the people that I worked with at BYU and in my in the early parts of my career are still in Utah and they work in sports agencies. Um, they're marketing directors for the big banks and credit unions out here. They give out sports sponsorship dollars. Talk to this guy. I talked to one guy. He put me in. He said, I don't really have anything right now at Mountain America Credit Union, but I do know this person, Verena Rasmussen, who just left the jazz. Um, a lot of people left the jazz when in the years following the Ryan Smith sale, but mostly because of the pandemic and furlough. So she says, I'm not hiring right now, but interviewed me and said, okay, what are your interests? What are you trying to do? And I said, I love working for sports teams. And eventually, you know, a month later, she called me and interviewed me and hired me for Real Salt Lake. And she, she was um, taking up the heading up the partnership services team. So I work as a director of partnership services at Real Salt Lake. And uh, I, I started in the middle of this current MLS, this past MLS season. And what I do in this job is I'm basically the account manager of seven of our accounts. So I am over uh, Adidas, Sherwin-Williams, KeyBank, uh, Zions Bank. And I, whenever they need tickets, whenever they need, so, they, so we go out there and, and, and get contracts you know, $100,000 is kind of our minimum account size. And we try to do four year deals on average. So we try to get them to spend sponsorship dollars with us. So we serve as their marketing, the marketing department for a lot of these big companies. And we give them hospitality, like season tickets. We get the, get them signs. We do social media, um, social media posts on their behalf. And then I report back to them and we talk about how are things going and we try to upsell, upsell them events and stuff like that. So that's what I currently do in my job. And I love it. And uh, I get to be creative. I get to kind of name things like this is our, you know, this is our save of the game. What's a good sponsor to match with that? Can we have an, you know, some alliteration and a cool, uh, a cool name that fans will get really get behind. And now we have all this support with a new owner and they're going to be spending more with, uh, capital improvements and stuff like that. So we should have money behind us and support behind us to pitch really cool and innovative ideas right now. So sorry for being long-winded, but that's everything, guys. We're at the beginning of 2022. The business in so many ways is evolving. Team marketing is evolving. Obviously, media is evolving. How do you see sponsorship integrations and activations evolving? Yeah. It used to be kind of simple. I mean, Joe could probably write a book. He has written a book uh, as it relates to how uh, things happen at team level, at least from a communication standpoint. But in the sponsorship front, it used to be pretty simple signage in the stadium, X number of tickets, um, some media mentions, things like that. But what are you seeing as uh, a trend or trends right now in the way the sponsorship integrations are developing? Especially off of Dane, not just your MLS, but your USFL ties as well. XFL. XFL. And XFL, too. I keep doing that. So. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that, uh, you know, it's a little interesting going from the most um, forward-thinking and progressive city, or maybe the second most forward and progressive-thinking city besides San Francisco um, in New York and going to uh, 
Salt Lake City, Utah, where I think I don't think it's necessarily an innovation hub, but we're also in a really interesting spot with um, we're in a place called Silicon Slopes. And I guess every 10 years or five years, there's a new Silicon Valley. There's a Silicon Forest. There's a Silicon Slopes out in um, out here in Utah. So there's a lot of money going into tech um, or tech startups are being sold in um, in Lehigh and Draper, Utah kind of along the Wasatch Front, with his, which is, you know, which is just a few minutes south of Salt Lake. And uh, a lot of these people are becoming billionaires. And Ryan Smith is one of them. He was the founder of Qualtrics. And he bought this, you know, he bought the jazz. And now he's a part owner of Real Salt Lake. And uh, it's, it's, it's really, we have a lot of existing um, sponsors right now, and they're not doing as much innovative stuff or asking for, they're kind of, you know, Fords of the world. They're kind of asking, Hey, we would like to get a little bit more digital, um, minded. We would like to go viral more. Um, what are some ideas that could, you know, with like, you know, using Twitter and getting more, um, earned media interaction. So that's definitely happening at a little bit of a slower rate, but these new tech companies are coming in and we, um, we're seeing a lot of tech companies that want to do deals with us. Dane, when people support Rail Salt Lake, what you've seen in the short time that you've been there, is it because they support things in the Salt Lake community or is it because they're really into soccer? How big is the MLS community versus, say, the jazz community, which are the two pro teams in, in, in Utah right now? That's a great question, Joe. And that that's probably the best part about working um, for this club is there's really two, only two games in town. There's college sports. So there's Utah up north and in Salt Lake. And then there's there's BYU down south in Provo, an hour south. And uh, it's and, and from a professional standpoint, there's a jazz in Salt Lake. And then there's not a lot of other um, there's not another a lot of other opportunities for people that are sports minded. And a lot of these people in Utah love sports and a lot of people play soccer. So there's not a ton of competition for, for fans in Utah, which is great. And for sponsorships as well. Like they can't spend with the NFL team. They can't spend with um, the baseball team. And it's, it's really helpful to us. So the people that like support the MLS are just sports fans out here in Utah. And, and, how is it different from the jazz? The MLS is the youngest fan base and they're, they want a lot more um, progressive initiatives, Mm. even in the NBA, which is probably the second youngest um, league of the pro sports team. But the difference between MLS is a lot. So Utah is a very interesting place with the LDS church being huge. And then Salt Lake city being a very liberal hub in this conservative state. And there's a huge, um, in Salt Lake itself, there's there's you see signs everywhere for BLM and you see um, a lot of um, pride flags. So those those people love the MLS in general and they really love Real Salt Lake. So it's definitely it's definitely geared towards a lot of that. And the MLS does a great job of having you know different jerseys for you know a lot of uh, a lot of these progressive uh, movements and activations thing. So the reason that the Jazz sold or sorry the reason that RSL sold is our we had a kind of a, a billionaire real estate magnate in in Salt Lake named Deloy Hansen, who owns um, a lot of the real estate and buildings in Utah. And during the initial pro, uh, player protests um, with BLM and really at this, really a little bit before the pandemic, um, he made some comments that, yeah. you know, a, a 70 year old um, white billionaire in Utah might make about, you know, I don't support the anthem protests. I think these players are being disrespectful to me. And, uh, and the MLS didn't like that. And uh, they kind of investigated into it and they found that, you know, the Real Salt Lake club kind of, it, it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it kind of created a, a climate, a climate of a little bit of hostility and uh, wasn't so in line with the goals of the MLS as a league. So the MLS stepped in and said, Deloitte, we would like you to sell the team. And he said, you know what? Okay, I'll sell the team. Um, the team was under sale for an entire year, a little longer than a year. Um, MLS was working to find a buyer and we just did this, you know, two weeks ago. So a lot, and quite frankly, a lot of our sponsors um, were Deloitte, were Deloitte um, business contacts that, you know, were construction companies, roofing companies, garbage companies. And they said, Deloitte's out, we're out. We support Deloitte, we stand with him. And then a lot of, a lot of season ticket holders said, we don't like Deloitte and we're not going to, we're not going to sign another year of season ticket holders until Deloitte's gone. So 
You know, it's interesting. I mean, and you see this across the whole entire country where there's a huge division um, politically um, right now. Um, I, don't, I, I'm not, I haven't been alive enough to say it's the worst it's ever been in this country, but it's pretty bad right now. And uh, it's, it's the worst since I've been alive. And uh, you see that in sports. And uh, I think we're doing a good job of trying to get new um, new progressive leaders that that fit the goal or new progressive sponsors and people that support um, the sale of the team. And Ryan Smith, who owns the Jazz, he, he has Dwayne Wade on his ownership group. And Dwayne Wade has been a complete um, a complete rock star in terms of getting diversity to Utah, whether racial or um, or just um, you know supports pride and all these things. So, you know, there's a huge change going on in Utah, and it's it's definitely for the better. And um, some people don't love change, and uh, MLS seems to not really care. And uh, that's how we are. So one one last question for me on that side is. Uh, with with the departure of sponsors who are tied to the former owner, just in the last couple of weeks, have you seen kind of an infusion of new interest? You know, you talked about the tech firms, but um, people coming in saying, hey, I want to be part of this. Um, and, and how has that been? Yeah, I mean, I joke. Um, so I'm, I'm more on the fulfillment side, but about 70% of my time during the season is working, keeping our existing, um, existing sponsorship um, partners happy and making sure we're fulfilling on their contracts that they've already signed for them. And then 30% of my time, I'm out there helping our sales team develop new business. So I work very closely with our salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's just funny. They're saying, <laughs> you know, all these people that haven't been returning my calls for the last three months are suddenly all calling me back this week. So yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of people that are excited. I think, I think new ownership in itself is uh, is, is a big change. And then I think they like the owners and they like Ryan Smith because he's, He's done a really good job with the jazz. Dane, have you guys done a crypto deal yet? <laughs> no, we're starting. So Utah is also interesting. It's like, we're not going to do gambling deals. We're just not. And uh, yeah. crypto is a little bit different. When you say, when you say Utah, you're, you, you don't represent the state. You're a team. You decide what you want to do with your sponsor. No, but the state, but but sports gambling is illegal in no, Utah. I, no, I know. I didn't ask about gambling. I asked about crypto. Yeah, no, 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 no. About crypto yeah. first. So we're talking about some categories here that are hot and the world of sports sponsorship, as I've, as I've joked with friends in the business and with Joe, there's never been a better time to be a sponsorship salesperson than 2022, because basically, especially in the category of crypto money is being thrown at most high profile sports brands thrown at. So I'm, it seems to me, if I were the owner of a team, I would say to my sponsorship guys, go get some of that money and don't tell me that it's hard to do. Yeah, we're having those conversations. We're being told just that. Um, okay, good. Our, our, our interim... Our, our... I rest my case. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 absolutely. They're like, dude, there's a lot of money in crypto. Like, and, and it's such a funny thing is when you talk with these sales guys and they're like, oh, there's a lot of money in this. Let's go get that money. And like, you don't really understand it until you work in it. And that's how it starts is like, there's money and then you go get it. So there's money in crypto and then like we're trying to go get it. And uh, you start with the end in mind, I guess, as a Utah guy, Stephen Covey said in seven, you know, seven habits of highly effective people is you begin with the end in mind and where's the money and let's go get it. So yeah, that's shaping a lot of our approaches. I think there's, I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of learning um, out here about crypto. I don't think Utah is the same as New York city where people are as interested in you, Tom, as uh, NFTs and crypto. And you've, you've told me that's, that's a future day and you got to understand that you, if I were you, I'd be learning everything I can about NFTs. And I'm just like, well, like, I'm, moving, what to Utah. Is I'm the... moving to Utah. I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> my head I finally drove you away. Cause I was, yeah, the NFT, honestly, I think it was an NFT discussion where I'm like, I'm out of here, man. All right. Well, uh, it's not like no, you're going to escape it in Utah. Let me just warn you. Um, yeah. But let me, let me just ask a follow-up question. So, you said to 30% of your time, you're helping prospect new business. Well, that so, wasn't during the season. And then in the off season, it flips to 70, 30. Sorry, I didn't finish my thought. Okay. Um, I'm doing a lot more of that. So you've right been now. in the off season the last few months, obviously, still technically until next week, off season. You say you do some prospecting. I'm just curious, have you personally been involved in the prospecting and analysis of crypto opportunities? We have not gotten that far Um I don't, I think we're, it's weird because we do a lot of uh, deals with the people that are in the, the Utah market. And I don't think there's a lot of crypto companies right here. I think ideally we would be, uh, 
we, we would be going after uh, national deals, but a lot of what we do is like, is, is regional and local. Mm-hmm. So okay. it hasn't really happened like that, but there is definitely yeah. on our radar and we're trying to learn it and, and get better at it. And we saw that the, um, the oh, man, that, uh, the LA Staples Center. Oh, the Staples, the crypto.com deal. It's the crypt, as yeah. they're now calling it, um, yeah. did that huge deal. And we're also in the we're also in the midst of trying to get naming rights sponsors, maybe for a tenth of what that thing sold for per year. Um, but I think that was probably the catalyst that we were kind of thinking about crypto. And then you see that um what was it like 30 years, $700 million deal of people spending on crypto. And now and then our interim president, now current president, John Kimball, who's awesome, was like direct order, learn about crypto kind of in the, the days following that deal. I uh, I don't think they're going to be selling a CBD deal for some reason. In some ways. You never <laughs> yeah. know. You never know. See, so, the states are more open to all these vices and they could make a lot more money. All these teams can make a lot more money. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we're going to do that in Utah, but... Uh... Wait, wait, so let's go back to the gambling question then. So so I know we're up to 20 plus states that now have mobile and online gambling. Are, is there any legislation to do that in Utah? If if I would have to put a put my finger on it, I'm pretty confident we'll be the 50th state too. Yeah, uh, that's, wow. I mean, that, and that's honestly, that's been the predict, projection all along is that Utah isn't even discussed because... No, nah, we're not, we don't move that. We we're not. Nature of state. So read about that life, Tom. Out here. Until we're, until we're, you need money, folk. yeah. Until you need money for the next Olympic bid, and then suddenly everybody would say, "Oh, that's a good idea." So, anyway. yeah, and also, I mean, it's not it's not as though um, I mean, this involves some federal oversight, you know, through the mm. perhaps uh, you know, and all that. So it's not as though this is some big controversial, crazy foreign idea at this point. Like crypto. Yeah. Crypto's well, yeah. crypto's a little bit yeah. harder to relate to because people still don't yeah. understand it. But yeah. towards betting, like you know, everybody's just picking up their phone and going on DraftKings or FanDuel on you know placing bets. It's now quite common, mm-hmm. and it seems that um, for a state, and most states need more money for different reasons for various reasons. They'd well, be more <laughs> open-minded at this point in history, in light of the fact that it's proven to be. Uh, a, a boon to many of these states that have legalized, like New Jersey, being a good example now. You know, you don't, you know, don't forget Utah never even got to daily fantasy. Oh, is that right? Never, do daily oh, yeah. here. Yeah, never. You can't, never you can't play DraftKings, and um, you can't yeah. do that here, Tom. So here's the other thing: is so it's uh, like two, it's like 2009 in Utah right now, and we're living in 2022, and the rest of the, in the rest of the. Well, here, here's the funny thing, and this will be my <laughs> retort to your, uh, your claims, Tom. Is yeah. we're seeing, we're seeing this huge. Um, reshuffling of where people my age uh, well i'm 34 so maybe even younger people are choosing to live their lives and uh, a lot of people are leaving Mm -hmm. new york because i left new york because i want to work and unemployment in utah is 2.3 percent unemployment in like new jersey new york pennsylvania is like up in the sixes and sevens and i saw this very interesting um sheet about red state blue states and uh we have the least unemployment in this country we let you go back to work um, I don't want to get political here, but I don't think we're hurting for money. Uh, I think everyone's leaving California and everyone's coming to Utah. And I can't afford a house because people. So when a house goes on the market in in um, in Utah, it'll go on market on like a Friday. It'll get it'll get sixty plus offers by Monday. Forty of those offers will be cash on sight unseen from California, and uh, and uh, it, they're you know. 10% over asking price. So I can't afford a house here because everyone's leaving these states where they don't really let you work as much and they tell you what to do. And I don't want to get political, but I am getting political. And uh, not I don't political, you say they I don't, don't let, I don't, I'm not sure you say a statement like they don't let you work as much. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know what that means. They just shut down live sports That's, and they don't you're, let you're you back. Subject, like, you're, you're kind of implying that there's all these homeless people running around in the sports business in New York or something like that. Kyrie can't play in New York. <laughs> He could play in Utah. No, no, but I, I guess what's, what's interesting is, you know, there's this point about the relocation of um, younger demographics, a very big thing demographically in this country, as you pointed out. And it, is, it will be interesting to see how this influences some of the red and purple states. Uh, and I guess Utah would be considered a little bit purple. Uh, I don't know how. how yes, you're right. Yeah. Because everyone's coming from California, Tom. Yeah. No, no, I'm so saying, or you look at a, a city, uh, a state like Texas, which on the one hand is extremely red with some of its policies. Uh, Connor knows this. He's from, he's from Texas. Um, 
but has these you know strongholds of dark blue um more democratic liberal uh areas like austin houston etc and what's interesting is it relates to statewide policies such as what we are concerned about in our discussions with sports you would think that over time they'll all eventually flip as this demographic shift, shift continues because by and large i'm basing this on publicly available surveys on most of these, let's call them vice activities, there's an openness with younger people that is quite apparent, regardless of state. You know what I mean? It, so, that, mm -hmm. so in other words, the people, the state laws are not necessarily keeping up with the demographic and psychographic behavioral shifts of young people other than through these little liberal enclaves. Yeah, it happens. I've left everybody yeah. speechless with that. I'm not <laughs> a little rant. That yeah. Okay. Because we're, reach, we're reaching the end. I want to kind of go off on a, a, a point two of this. Today. No, but so. I mean, look, I, I think it's a, it's a topic we really haven't covered, Joe, in our discussions. Yeah. Like, okay, you know, Dane, you were you were in in New York City with the program, some some other work uh, experiences. You made a, a proactive decision to get get out of Dodge and go kind of reinvent your career another city and you had success doing that, which is really interesting. You don't, Joe and I don't necessarily hear that a, a ton because so much of the, uh, the sports business is um, uh, focused in the tri-state area of New York, unless it's someone moving like our old friends, James Copenitas, who went to Oklahoma City to work for the Thunder. You know, there's, there are examples like that. So no, I think this is a really interesting topic, this idea of rethinking what your options are and taking a proactive approach and moving on. So good for you. Yeah, and, and, and part of it was the competition is like all these people that are graduating from Columbia and they're all sitting in New York City and they're probably smarter and harder working than me. And, and I'm just like going where they see Columbia on a resume out here and they're in Utah and they're like, and they see XFL and they're like, oh, this guy must be sharp. <laughs> so they're like, well, I don't know. It, I go where my- it gave, It's great It's great that you had them fooled that way though. So uh, anyway, I, I, Tom, you want to wrap us up? I know, but, yeah. the, but it's funny. It's funny, Joe, because I do think I'm one of the more talented and smart people here, and I don't think I would be that in a in a startup in New York. Quite frankly, I would be middle. That's of the a fair. It's an, no, it's an interesting point. I, I think this really is a cool topic of like thinking about where you might any any of us might. Well, look uh, where the money's going. Uh, yeah, where you like, where you might prosper, you know, professionally. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that you look where the money going, and um, I guess it was that famous. Uh, congressperson that tweeted to uh, Elon Musk only made. Um, he made this pay this much in taxes, and then Elon Musk retweets it and says, "All right, see you later." And he takes all of his Tesla um, operation to Texas, and all that tax revenue is going to Texas now. And then Joe Rogan's mm -hmm. like, "LA is shutting that's me a, down." Yeah, that's and, that's and a little bit of an extreme that doesn't actually have all the facts in it, but that's okay. So, yeah. Tom, why don't we wrap yeah. it up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe Rogan too. <laughs> Joe Rogan too. Um, well, yeah, there's a lot of angles on these stories. Uh, hey. Interesting to watch. Right. No, no, but I, I do believe that 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 idea, especially as we move to a future of either hybrid work or in certain cases, including the company I work for, fully remote work as an option, um, it really does redefine what you might want to do with your life uh, as a complement to your professional world. So uh, I think it's fascinating to watch. Um, Dane, you know the drill. We, you've, you've heard a few of these shows before. We like to ask everybody two standard questions. And the first is how you keep up. I mean, you had the, the good fortune of, I think, as you mentioned earlier, being someone who paid attention to kind of the thought leadership in and around New York City sports business and stuff like that. But what do you like to read, listen to? Who do you follow? Uh, leave leave Columbia related stuff and me and Joe to the side as you answer the question if you don't mind. And then part two is um, other than move to Utah. Yeah, I mean that, that could be considered advice. Yeah. Find a better yeah. state. Um, and then part two is um, as you know is just offering some career perspective. You've all, you already offered some that I think is quite interesting. But if you want to mm -hmm. expound a little bit more on the career advice, that would be good. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'll keep the first one brief because I'll give myself a little more time to talk about this, the second one. Is now that I have a job, I'm doing a lot less dang smartphone, and that's probably not the best thing to say. Uh, <laughs> that's a good. That's a classic line, Jim. Now that I have a job, I'm doing a lot. What was it? I'm doing a lot right. less keeping smart. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. I. I uh, let I, me uh, memo to Dane. You, while you have a good job, you still have to stay smart and get smarter. No, I know. I know. I know. But like. I, I spent a ton of time reading um, 
reading the newsletters um, when I had a lot more time and I did stay smart throughout. Um, I'm, I, I do still read just not as much of hashtag sports. That's, that's the biggest newsletter. And then of course, Joe's on Sundays. Uh, I do a lot of, I do a lot of Twitter reading. Um, I, I joke to say that I don't listen to the same podcast and read the same amount of time on newsletters and spend the same amount of time on sports techie that I did as a student. And when I was looking um, pretty hard for a job and knew that I needed to upgrade, but I just stay, I follow really smart people on Twitter and that's, that really cuts down the amount of time that you, that you have to spend. So just following the right people. And, and uh, I, I, I'm more well-rounded than I used to be. So I, I read fiction and I read books. Um, I don't necessarily spend all my time in sports and sports sponsorships, but mm -hmm. I, I see what's going on by, by Twitter and staying abreast. And to me, that's kind of like a labor of love is the amount of hours I spend on a daily basis on Twitter, just with the people that I've chosen to cur curate and follow. Um, that I see what's happening in real time. So Twitter, Twitter is how I stay smart. Um, getting onto the second question, I would just, um, I would just say the the advice on perspective is that what I had. Um, I kind of, I kind of was thinking about this last night, and I'm just gonna say it. Um, the, I've learned the value of hard work and what you choose to do with your time when you have time is uh, it pays dividends. Um, you can call it God. You can call it the law of attraction. You can call it the power of positive thinking. You can call it the secret um, manifesting success. But if you spend your downtime doing good things, um, I know that I didn't make money, uh, much money for working with you guys in um, working on sport hiatus for those uh, four or five months during the pandemic. But my brother did a similar thing where he, he, he had a, a startup that was unsuccessful, but he worked on it for like six months and not directly, but the skills that he developed on his own and the skills that I developed on my own and just, and just spending time working hard that gets rewarded. Um, maybe not even directly, or maybe not indirectly. He, he just found a job after, after, after doing something on his own that, you know, tripled his salary just, just by chance. Um, I, I, I just worked hard and spent time working hard on something that I developed skills with video editing and uh, network and forging a network. And it didn't directly um, pay off, lead to my job. But I know that when the people that worked hard and the people that I saw that worked, you know, worked hard in the program are the people that found success. And it wasn't necessarily the exact work that led to it. But if you work hard, you will be rewarded. And that's not something that I think or that I believe. Like, I know that um, from my life and the lives of others is what you choose to do with your time pays dividends. Um, just funny. Um, I talked to Caleb Shreve this week and it was a really cool moment. Um, Caleb took a new job. He was working as a, as an analytics person in the MLS. And he, yep. he told me that he was, uh, um, for Nashville FC and he just, he just recently, um, got a promotion to a new job for Orlando city SC where he's the head of analytics now. And it was really cool that, you know, if he talked to me six months ago, um, I wouldn't be in the job that I'm in. He wouldn't be in the job and he's in and his salary got a lot bigger and he, his title got a lot better too. So just, you know, six months after graduation and now, you know, two plus years following graduation, it's really cool to reach out to like Nicole Hogan's doing something with the Islanders. That's very similar to what I'm doing. She landed right away, but Hey, she's the director of, of activation services for the Islanders. I'm a director of partnership services, which is really the thing in RSL and hey, let's compare notes. Let's get in touch. Caleb, you work for the MLS. I work for the MLS now. Um, these things didn't really happen um, overnight, but just give yourself a little time and perspective. And if you're working hard, like you'll find yourself in places that you didn't really think that you would be. Like I'm not the biggest MLS fan on the planet, but I love my job and I'm so happy to be in corporate partnerships. And uh, you know, just keep plugging at it. Columbia will give you the tools um, and the network and the support to succeed. I jokingly say that it's not like an MBA where somebody's upon graduation, somebody's going to be knocking at your door saying, Hey, I need somebody with a sports management degree to do this job. But if you're diligent and you go and, uh, and make valuable use of your time and talk to your professors that you're close with and say, Hey, do you know anyone about that's doing this? Or can you get me in here? Uh, even if it's unpaid or even if it's just something to, to sharpen your skills, do those things. And Joe, you always say the power of asking, like I asked you guys for help a lot and you guys 
you guys help me out whenever I need it. And I'm very thankful for you. And then when the time comes where I can be in a position to give back, I'm happy to do it because you guys are awesome. And I really appreciate you. Wide ranging and interesting, Tom. You want to wrap us up? <laughs> I need to take a breath. Anyway, go ahead. Um, thanks, Dane. That was quite interesting. Good, good point. Good thoughts on the last thing too. I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff you end up doing in your professional life that is not seen and not necessarily compensated traditional ways for, but um, my experience, I think Joe would agree is that um, you spread the good karma, do things, do projects, help out uh, and you get up and find other people in your network who have the same mindset. Uh, nice things usually result and it may not be immediate. It may not come in the form of financial compensation, uh, but it does pay off. So thank you for, uh, underscoring that point. Um, so we've been talking to Dane Rogers, a grad of our sports management program at Columbia, someone who's been very involved with us in different capacities, as you heard over the last few years um, now in Major League Soccer. Good luck this coming season, Dane. Um, you have a, your preseason That's starting as this podcast comes out, which is great. Good luck closing your big uh, let's call it seven-figure crypto deal on behalf of the club. I expect to see that announcement sometime in the next month now that I've given you some tips or we have to, you know, uh, about asking for the order. Um, and um, also just mention to everybody where they can find you on Twitter since you did point out Twitter is an important mm -hmm. thing for you. <laughs> I, know, I know your handle, but you should say it. <laughs> it's funny. I was in this, like, serious uh, law, sports law class, um, with Carla and she would refer to me by my Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, I knew, I, so it was like, I kind of had the bull between the horns where you have this great handle that from your past where you really like it. Um, it's at juice nuggets. Um, just a joking nickname, J U I C E N U G G E T S. And I couldn't get off of it with my name, but I'm happy to reach out to anyone. Uh, just send me a DM. My DMS are open. And if you want to connect or, do a chat or anything like that. If you liked me or thought I was funny or wanted to give me a compliment or tell me that you disagree politically, <laughs> do it in the DMs because I'm not trying to get fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> but that's I'm happy cool. to argue it so, and, uh, and set something up. Sorry, guys. That's okay. cool. Uh, at Juice Nuggets, everybody. Thank you Check for your out. thoughts. Dean. Yes, Juice thanks, Dane. And, and thanks to our producers. We had all three on the show mm -hmm. today helping out Connor, Sam, and Yash. You guys do a great job. We really appreciate it, Joe. Uh, Most fun. of them now questioning why they're in our program, but that's <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Au contraire. Um, Joe, yeah. that was fun. I will yeah. um, talk to you next week and we'll see everybody in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.